0: appreciate that. trust that you'll have a mind to continue to pray for the service. The praying doesn't end when the public prayer ends and the Lord doesn't uh, quit giving after the public prayer ends. I uh, trust that he'll continue to be with us and manifest his presence with us. We have been on a little bit of a journey and uh, the armor of God that we're to put on and uh, we got to the first one, and uh, you would think having tried to preach uh, twice, I think on this first one that we'd be done with it, but we still have things on our mind pertaining to it. So all I know to do is to press forward in it uh, in the fourteenth sixth chapter of Ephesians the fourteenth verse, one of the first the first thing that it says that we are to put on is stand therefore having your loins girt about. With truth. We talked about the loins being the strongest muscles, the biggest muscles that we have, the muscles that we uh, use to take a stand, and when we place our feet and, and say, Here we stand. Uh, we have talked um, about truth. Uh, but what we have not done is to try to give instruction just exactly how to put on truth. How, how do we put that on? How do we girt uh, our loins or have our loins girded with truth? Uh, Many times, I don't think it's on purpose, I I know I'm guilty of this, many times we will uh, try to speak on the theology of what we're talking about without ever getting to the application of that theology. Uh, And I think both are good. Uh, I think we certainly uh, need to know what we need to put on, but then we need to put it on. Uh, What we need to learn, but then we need to apply it. And that's kind of key into what we want to try to talk about, is how to apply it. I learned something this week uh, in reading, and I'll share it with you. It's in the 28th chapter of Isaiah. And when I've thought about this, my, the, my very first place where my thoughts went to is this 28th chapter, uh, because it begins in the 9th verse, 28 and 9, Whom shall he teach knowledge? Uh, that's truth. Whom shall he teach knowledge? That's that's kind of the question that we have, is how is it that that is taught, and how is it that that is put on? And he says, And whom shall he make to understand doctrine? He says, Them that are weaned from the milk and drawn from the breast. Then he says, For precept must be upon precept. Precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, and here a little, and there a little. That's very uh, strange language. You don't hear that type of language in Scripture much. It's repeated for emphasis that we understand it. But as we would take to building something, first of all, we must have the correct substance in which to build something with, and then there's an order to which you build it. Precept upon precept, Line upon line, here a little and there a little. Uh, you probably don't know this about Brother Tom Webb over here, but he does have a little bit of a mean streak in him. We were building out here, and of course, he's an engineer by trade, uh, so you know he doesn't do anything without he and his mind understanding what he's going to do uh, first, second, third, and fourth. But we were out here getting ready to build the little frame or the white fence thing that we have around. The electrical uh, places that we were at him, and uh, I went and got some some lumber, and uh, uh, you know, brother brother Tom just started saying, "Well, we can do this," and we and he just started, and he knew it would bother me, and he grinned at me as we were doing this, and it did, it it bothered me because I like to know we do this first and this second and this third. Well, that's how his mind works, and I knew it did, and I knew he was bothering me, or trying to bother me. But, you know, I, I, I just couldn't help it. It bothered me anyway. He, he got a kick out of that. And uh, later on in the day, maybe the next day, I got a little bit of a kick out of it. But anyway, what, what, what does this mean? Well, first of all, this isn't a one-and-done process. Uh, there's some things we do one time and, and it's done. Where uh, Baptism, water baptism is one of those things. Uh, We we are baptized in water uh, into the church into Primitive Baptist Church once and that's it. We're not we're not baptized anymore. Doesn't doesn't take another baptism uh, into the Primitive Baptist after you've experienced uh, the water baptism. We get into what's legal, what's illegal. But the point is, you do it once and you're done. Well, this is this is not a step in a process. It's more of a continuum. It's more of what you do almost in circular fashion. Precept upon precept, line upon line, here a little, and there a little. And when you get done with that, what do you do? Precept upon precept. You you just follow that process over and over and over. And our desire is to try to grow in doing that. we, We grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, in activities of life, many of you here... In activities of life, you you get to a particular point, and you get either a degree, saying that you have learned these things. Uh, some of you that go farther get a get a master's degree, and a few that even go farther get a doctorate degree. But you you get a piece of paper that says you're supposed to know these things. In addition to that. Uh, Again, in, in various professions and everything, you take a certification test or whatever it is, and now you have this certificate that says you're supposed to know. Uh, if you have that and you don't know, uh, shame on you. You're supposed to know. Uh, you're certified in that, sometimes from state, sometimes by federal government, but you're certified in that particular thing. And, well, there's no certification in this. Uh, you, you never get through learning. Uh, we are uh, forever lifetime students Uh, in this, but I'm going to have a little surprise for you, and it was a surprise for me, because where I have stopped reading is where I would normally stop reading at, as I have read this for a number of years, but I read a few verses below, follow, and I found something I didn't know, so let me share it with you, we said, for precept must be upon precept, and so forth, that's the tenth verse. Eleventh verse says, For with stammering lips and another tongue will he speak this to this people. What does that mean, stammering lips? doesn't mean he's stuttering. What it means is he's trying to use the most simple language. Even as a, a mother perhaps would try to teach her child something and in very loving language, not the language that a parent would use when they're correcting a child, but in a voice and a way, even talking sometimes baby talk, that type of thing, to where they're trying to encourage the children and trying to show love for the child and trying to do everything they can to encourage the child to do that. That's what I think. That's what this means. So it's not that the people who are doing the teaching here were not trying to use whatever they could to get the point across. But there is a problem. Twelfth verse. To whom he said, this is the rest wherewith ye may cause the weary to rest. And this is the refreshing. There's a benefit to do this. I'm not doing this just so you know it. I'm doing it so that there's a benefit and you'll receive that benefit and you'll enjoy that benefit. But the 12th verse ends with yet. With all that done. With this line upon line whether there's order to it, whether there's like a building block process to it and so forth and so on. And trying to use very simple language and very, very caring language, and uh, even as a parent or a nurse would, would, would try to do, yet they would not hear. They would not hear. But the word of the Lord was unto them precept upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, hear a little. And they're a little, they got the message. They got what was trying to be taught to them. It's almost like they're saying it. The best illustration I could come up with, and, and if I knew your experiences, I would tell yours, but I don't. But maybe this would, would make mention with some of you. I can't remember the first time I started trying to learn my uh, Do-Re-Mi's. I, I was very young, couldn't, couldn't talk very plain, so forth and so on. But I would do that, and for a while it was kind of fun. I, You know, in a singing school and that type of thing, run up and down them. And then at home, Mom and Dad would work with me, and we'd, we'd go up and down them. And even learned a little song, you know, doe a deer, a female. So I've learned all of that, you know. always thought law kind of got a, a bad deal there because it's just a note to follow. So, I mean, there's not much you can say about it. But I could go through all of that, but after a while it becomes... <clears throat> Wearisome to me, oh great, the dore mees, you know in saying school, after you spend one day doing it, I wasn't interested in spending the second or the third day doing it. oh, great, the dore me do fa la you know i I was saying them, but it wasn't with respect, <laughs> and it wasn't with appreciation, it was being kind of sassy with it, it was being kind of rebellious towards it, and you know. I've never have seen myself as the sharpest tool in the, in the barn. I understand that. But I was about eight years old before I finally figured out the benefits of doing that. And here it is. Any song in the book, any song you want to pick out in this book is just an arrangement of Do-Re-Mi's. If you know the scale... You can pick out, might not pick out the timing of it and the rest, but you can pick out by just knowing Do, Re, Mi, Fa, Sol, La, Ti, Do. You can pick out any tune here. If you can do that, you can pretty well, and here's how I learned that. One reason I, I wasn't so much uh, uh, wanting to learn it is because I knew the music. I had heard it from a child up uh, and I could sing soprano on any of the songs that we sung at You know, five years old or four years old, whatever. I could do all of that, and sometimes too loud. But I I didn't need notes. I didn't even know that's what they were for. I just thought it was something to learn, just to learn. But all of a sudden, at a singing school, they decided that I needed to sing in a quartet, have the cute little kids up there singing in a quartet, and they wanted me to sing bass. Well, you know what my bass sounded like? A low soprano. (laughs) I just sung what I knew, but I tried to drop. No, Sonny, that's not it. My cousin was teaching me. Her name was Ann, and Ann said, Sonny, don't you know the Do-Re-Mi? Yes. Well, what's that first note down there? I said, well, it's Do. She says, okay, I'm going to give you that sound. So she gave me that sound. She says, now what's the next note? Well, it's another do. So what should you sing? That same sounding, right. So do, 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 me, so, me, do. And it dawned on me. Oh, (laughs) that's what it's all about. Well, I had a whole different interest in the scale after that. In fact, I used the scale this morning. I use the scale when I try to pitch a song. That's why people run that little scale. It's not just to let you know they can do it. It's to help is do they have the right pitch or not? We sung a couple of songs. I didn't know the bass real well. I couldn't sing it by heart. And there were some places in there where you jump from like a doe to a fa or something like that. Well, that's not a that's not an easy jump to make. So I used the scale. My friends, here's the point. The benefit is in the application. The benefit of line upon line and precept upon precept and here a little and there a little is not just that you know it. It's not that you can win Bible trivia games. It's that you might apply it, my friends. And there's the benefit. There's the knowledge. When you get where you're just doing it by rote, just doing it so that you can do it, uh, you get impatient. I do. Get impatient with us. Well, my friends, the revelation of truth is not on our timeline. It's on the Lord's timeline. Who is it that opened Lydia's heart that she might learn? It was the Lord that did that, my friend. Lydia didn't open her own heart. And I want you to know the way that you and I are able to understand and apply the principles of truth is by the Lord opening our hearts. I don't open your heart. Preacher doesn't open your heart. The gospel doesn't even open your heart. God opens your heart. And then you have something already in your heart that can understand, as we have gone over many times, that responds to the truth. Let's go read a little bit. In Revelation, I mean in Romans 15. 15 and 4 says this. For whatsoever things were written aforetime. Were written for our learning. That we through what? Patience. And comfort. Of the scriptures. Might have hope. Do you ever get impatient with scripture? I do. There's things in this book. I've been studying for a lot of years. 30, 40, 50 years, things I've been... And I still don't understand what it's talking about. I get impatience with it. I get tired of being dumb. I really do. I get tired of not knowing what it's saying. And then when it does reveal itself, it's like, well, it's right there. It's been there all the time. I've missed it. With patience and comfort of the Scripture, that was one of the problems. But they had a bigger problem than that here in the 28th chapter of Isaiah. You remember, we have gone over it before, and I think it was even mentioned uh, uh, lately either. Maybe, I don't remember who mentioned it, but it had been mentioned lately as well. And it's the story of Elijah there in 1 Kings, and in the uh, 19th chapter. And I'll just quickly do it. We took time with it uh, last time quite a bit, so I'll just run back uh, through it quickly. Elijah had won a great victory. Great victory. And that was in the 18th chapter. And the very first verse in the 16th chapter has to do with a wicked a queen. Every time I come there, I want to say wicked witch, but it's a wicked queen. And her name was Je- Jezebel. And even the word Jezebel denotes things that aren't nice in our nine. We, when we hear, uh, being called a Jezebel is not a compliment, right? When we understand that. But she threatened Elijah, and he was scared, and he ran. And I won't go all the way through. It's a wonderful story. I would encourage you to read it, the 19th chapter of 1 Kings. But finally, he finds himself in a mountain. And the place he has has some historical significance as well, but I'll leave that off. And the Lord asked him a simple question. What doest thou here? He's in this cave. And he answers the Lord on that. And then the Lord causes a great earthquake to come. But the Lord wasn't in the earthquake. And then a great wind, I think, came. But the Lord, I think I had that reversed. But the Lord wasn't in the wind. And then finally a great fire. But the Lord wasn't in the fire. And then the Bible says, And then a still small voice. That's how the spirit works, my friends. It's not not trying to get your attention by these great activities, these great things that are notable to the the eye, The, the great thing that catch the fancy of our imagination. No, it's in the stillness, my friends. Sometimes the stillness of the night. Sometimes a stillness as you're, as you're driving down the road by yourself and, and maybe humming a song or whatever. And then all of a sudden the words of that song, and you start, well, that's not true. We did that today in one of the songs. Came across the song, I said, well, I don't believe that. I don't believe that's true. I looked at it a little bit, and I still don't think it's true. Not a big deal, but just third verse of a particular song. But it's a still, a still. Small boy. I'll tell you, here's my point. Precept upon precept, line upon line, here a little, and that a little. My friends, that's how we put on truth. If the Lord is leading us, and if we have a willing and a humble mind about it. Either one of those, if you don't have, even if the Lord be. Let's go to another case to kind of prove that point. Let's go to Jeremiah. Very similar situation with Jeremiah, sixth chapter of Jeremiah. It's familiar uh, uh, scripture, 16th verse. It says, uh, 6 and 16 of Jeremiah. It says, Thus saith the Lord, stand ye in the, o- in the ways, plural, plural. Stand ye in the ways and see and ask for the old path, where is the good way, and walk therein. And you shall find rest for your souls. But they said, we will not walk therein. Didn't matter what else he was going to say. Didn't matter whatever uh, uh, how, he might per- how he might even uh, try to uh, talk them in a way that would try to encourage. They were not going to walk therein. And they didn't. And as a result, they didn't find that rest, my friends. Oh, may the Lord help us. May the Lord help us tell you, remember what Brother, uh, Brother David uh, preached, not this week, but last week in the third chapter of Revelation. I, I really enjoyed that, and it, it, it helped me quite a bit about the church at Philadelphia. And it, and it explained, I'll just read it real quick, it's in 3 and 7 of Revelation. To the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, These things saith he that is holy, he that is true, he that hath the key of David, he that openeth, and no man shutteth, and he that shutteth, and no man openeth. I know thy works. Behold, I set before thee an open door, and no man can shut it. For thou hast a little strength, and hast kept my word, and hast not denied my name. My friends, the point is the Lord opens doors in our lives. And sometimes one of those doors that are open is a door of understanding. Opens our hearts where we might be able to see and to learn. Maybe something we have read, we have read over. Uh, Brother Seth and I have talked about that uh, several times. How how could I have read over this all these years? (laughs) Oh my friends, that never ends. There's not another thing like it. This is God's word, you see. There's not another thing like it. It is totally, 100% unique in and of itself. There's no other book that is the inspired Word of God except the Bible, my friends. And therein is just continued uh, to be things that that will open. I don't think that ever ends. Uh, Just things that open. uh, You can see in Paul's life uh, things that he learned as he went through it. I think the only man that ever was that knew everything contained in the book. Whether it was written or not written my friends. Was Jesus. He understood it. He knew what it was. But there were people that he preached to. And they didn't even listen to it. And some of them I'm persuaded. Were children of God. But they did. it will not be force fed my friends. It will not be crammed down your throat. Where you have to learn it. No. But when that door opens. You have a little strength. You have enough strength to get to the door and get through the door. And my friends, when you do that, if the Lord's there, if in fact the Spirit of the Lord is guiding us, and if in fact we have the right mind about us, where we're not haughty in spirit, or nor cold, as we heard uh, yesterday, uh, 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 instead of hot or lukewarm. If if that be the case, where all of the my friends, the blessings. That are there. Are unspeakable joy. Because you learn. Old and new things. Learn there. And they're always about spiritual things. Always about what God. Or the Spirit. Or the Son. Has done for you. Or is doing for you. Or will yet do for you. Listen what David says about it. My friends. In uh, early in the book of Psalms. Psalms 1 and 2 I believe it is. Listen to what he says. Well I'll just start with 1. 1 and 1 of Psalms. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. Nor standeth in the way of sinners. Nor setteth in the seat of the scornful. That's not blessed. But here is. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law doth he meditate day day. And night. It says, He is like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. That man's blessed, my friends. We know what we're supposed to do if we lack wisdom, do we not? James tells us 1 in 5, I think, of James. If any man uh, lacketh wisdom, let him ask God, who giveth liberally and upbraideth not. We all have the same source that we go to when we don't know. And it's not a Strong's Dictionary or a Strong's Concordance or a Dictionary or or what man has to say about it. It's that still small voice, my friends, that will direct us. It is the spirit; He's the spirit that will guide you into all truth. uh, John tells us, my friends. Look at the early church. Look at the very uh, a time when Pentecost, the day of Pentecost, comes. We go to this a lot in our thoughts, and also we read it a lot. Then they, uh, second chapter of Acts, forty-first verse. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized. And the same day were added unto them. The them is about 120. About 3,000 souls. And they continued what? Steadfastly in the apostles doctrine. And fellowship. And in breaking of bread. And in prayers. Line upon line. Precept upon precept. Here a little and there a little. If you do that, my friends, and it's not making sense, just keep on. Just keep on. Pray that the Lord will show you. Pray that the Lord will reveal it to you. If you don't know where to start, my friends, you got the Bible, but where to start? There are some things I put down here. Did it years ago and they're still here. Some of them are. Get some of those. Just look at them. Read them. Text are provided for you to study on them. It's foundational things. It's the building blocks, my friends, to what we believe is truth. It's something that will lead you and guide you and comfort you in all facets and areas of life. It's right there. All you have to do is take it, get you a Bible, read it, and just listen. Listen. Somebody's going to preach on it before long. Uh, uh, a preacher never gets far away from these five or six things that are listed there you'll hear about it it might not be exactly but you'll, you'll, you'll recognize it how many of you I've done it how many of you have studied something through the week and then when you get to church a preacher doesn't have to be me probably it's not me but that preacher gets up and preaches on the very thing that you've been studying and thinking about my friends that's God's gift to you that's God's gift to you Let's go back to the parable that we used uh, in Matthew. 13th chapter of Matthew, 44th verse. Again, we're talking about how to we put on truth. Precept upon precept, there's the answer. Line upon line, here a little and there a little. But we also need the Spirit of the Lord. And we need to be patient And we need to be a humble and a ready mind to receive those things. Hear what the parable says. 13 and 44. Again, the kingdom of heaven is likened to a treasure hid in a field. The which when a man hath found, it was hid, but he's found it. He hideth, And for joy thereof goeth and selleth all that he hath and buyeth that field. Now, this is a parable. It's not talking about literally uh, uh, selling things that you have and going buying a piece of property somewhere. That's not what it's talking about. It's a spiritual application. The church is the field, my friends. The church is the field. The treasure inside that field is Jesus Christ and Him crucified and the truth all around that, my friends. Now, you can't buy in this way. You can't buy the truth in this way. You can buy the field, but not the truth. But what do you do? What's the first thing you do after you've found it? Do you buy it, the field? Is that the first thing you do? No. You selleth all that you have. Then you buy the field. We need to sell out to the flesh. Let's go to Galatians and read about what? that is. And when you read that, notice it has uh, the works of the flesh, and then it has the fruit, singular, of the Spirit. These things of the flesh, they're they're not fruit. They're works of the flesh. But When you are talking about the Spirit, it's fruit of the Spirit. You have to have the tree before you can have the fruit. You have to have the Spirit in you before you can have the fruit. You can't do anything to get the spirit, my friend. God gives that in the work of regeneration, which He's sovereign. By the way, that's one of the things you could read about down here. Fifth chapter of Galatians, nineteenth verse. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, which are these: adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness. Idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, seditions, heresies, envies, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and such like. <laughs> Gives you—I mean—that list gets long. You don't know what those use? Go get a dictionary. Go look at them. See see if those words are in the Bible anywhere else. Go go what it has to say there. If they're wrong here, they're wrong other places too. We're told in 6th chapter of Romans that that don't don't let them reign in your life. Greater is He that is in you than he that is in the world you know why we do some of these things? Because we enjoy doing some of those things. Our flesh desires. To, and as we talked about before. We give occasion to the flesh. We give an opportunity. For, the, for, for, for these things to set up a base of operation. Within our very being. We allow that. We do. We do. 8th chapter of Romans would tell us this. mortify. The deeds of the body. You know what mortify means? Kill. Mortify the deeds of the Starve these things. Don't feed them. Starve them. Starve them. Feed the fruit of the Spirit. How many of you in raising your children just let them eat whatever they wanted to? Some do, I guess. We read of some that have abused their children that you know, all they fed them was sugar, sugar, sugar. And it has its benefit, it has its result. But in my house, we always had to eat things I didn't want to eat. And if there was dessert, it wasn't until the things that my parents told me to eat, to eat was eaten. Now, I, I didn't have to eat them, but if I was going to eat anything the rest of that night, I had to eat some of those. I never did learn to like liver, never did. When Sharon and I got, got getting really serious about whether we are going to be married, that's one question I'd asked her. Do you like liver? No, I hate it. Let's get married. <laughs> I remember as a child walking into my house and smelling liver and onions cooking on the stove, and I knew I was going to be in trouble. I hated those things. Especially when I found out, according to some, that I could have just took a teaspoon of peanut butter and had the same benefits as what was in that liver. Now, I don't know if that's true or not, but if I had known that back then, I don't know if I could have got out of it. The fact of the matter is, Mom and Dad liked liver. That's why it was cooked. Now, I could eat the sweet things. As I heard Elder Lois Fuller say to me a lot of times, you put a bowl of vegetables and you put a bowl of M&Ms in front of a kid, which one do you think they want? Don't let us be that way spiritually, my friends. Don't don't let that happen. Don't sow to the flesh, because you'll reap after the flesh. You have the ability not to. One of the first things we need to understand is recognize when it's around, and then when it is, root it out. And don't feed it. Don't don't give it things that will cause it to grow more. But feed these things. Listen to them. 22nd verse. But the fruit, singular. Isn't that interesting? There's nine things listed here, but it doesn't say fruits. I would have said fruits. There's nine of them. That's more than one. But it says singular. Why? Because they're all coming from the same tree. They're all fruit, the single fruit of a tree, and they're manifold in these various ways. Listen to it. But the fruit of the Spirit, that's capital S, by the way, is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, against such there is no law. Brother, David was preaching about the church at Laodicea. and Remember what he got into that particular verse? Let me go find it real quick, if I can do that quick. It's in the fourth chapter, or or third chapter. Maybe it won't take too long. 18th verse, 3 and 18 of Revelation. I counsel thee to buy of me... Gold tried in the fire, and that thou mightest be rich, and white ga- white raiment that thou mightest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do appear uh, not appear, and anoint thine eyes with eye salve, that thou may see it. Buy. that's what Proverbs twenty three and twenty three says, right? Buy the truth and sell it not. My question to you is why do you use as currency? What do you use as currency? Monopoly money won't work. (laughs) What do you use as currency? American money won't work. What do you use? What is it that God desires? What do you have that God desires? It's not a hard answer. You know what he desires? You. That's what he desires. He desires you. By the way, you're not your own. (laughs) You're bought with a price. But he desires you. Now, we're not like puppets on a string where you might pull this and this goes up and this goes down. I guess he could have. It's within his power. But he wants us to come willingly. Voluntarily. Even more than that. Run, as we've talked about before. Run to the house of God. Church, my friends, should not be a drag. Church should not be a... Oh, it was. (laughs) You know the old thing, I was raised on drugs. I was drugged to church and drug here and drug... But church ought to be something... That we eagerly go to. Don't let it be like we have some in our congregation. That can't come to church physically. Have you wondered about that? Will I get to the time in my life. Where I can't come. In all probability it will for all of us. Take opportunity now. What does he want? He wants you. What is the currency? You are the currency. Listen to what he says. 12th chapter of Roman letter. I beseech you. Therefore, brethren. By the mercies of God. That ye present your bodies. A living sacrifice. Holy. Acceptable unto God. Which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world. That's chasing the things out after the flesh. Be not conformed to this world. But be ye transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. That ye may prove what is a good and acceptable and perfect will of God, my friends. What he desires is you. Let me me deal a little bit with the opposite side of that equation. Buy the truth and sell it not. If you sell it, does it not mean that you had once bought it? How can you sell something you don't have? So for those who would say, don't sell the truth, it's those that at one time, God blessed them to buy the truth. And the only currency that works with God is you. So at one time, my friends, they humbled themselves. And they came forward and joined the church. And probably were very active and very involved. But I can name names and don't have to go outside my own family or so are your family. I can name names and they're no longer around. They're no longer here. I promise you, my sister and I were raised in the same identical environment. And she hadn't been a member of the old Baptist in 25 years or longer. Why? Why is that? I would say that part of that, and get what I mean when I say this, they have not learned how to use the do-re-mi. They have not seen the value that there is In applying the things and the truths of God. They haven't seen and haven't made use and haven't implemented. And my friends, it's a dangerous proposition with the Lord. I have a few things that I value quite a bit. There are a few, they're like material things. I don't know that anyone else would even want them. I have one thing that I know another man wanted and I wouldn't give it to him. I have a desk in my study upstairs. And it's a desk that the initial editor of the Baptist trumpet used to publish the trumpet. And it's a to Brother Tom over here, to Webb. J.G.? J.G. Webb. How we got it is Elder H.G. Ball. Do you ever hear that name? It's a man that baptized Sam Raven. Delivered the, if you know who Sam Raven was, Speaker of the House for many years. Delivered the, uh, conducted his funeral, so forth and so on. Good friend of ours. Dad had his funeral. And his wife never joined the church, by the way. Her name was, (laughs) I'm sorry. Uh, Her name is Minnie, M-I-N-N-I-E. And we always called her Miss Minnie. And her initial, let's see, let me get this right. Well, anyway, her initial name, or maybe it's maiden name. Maiden name started with an I. And we were over there one time. We still live in California, and we were over there. And this, this is, she, she was just a lovely person. And she shared with us, you know, she said, I got tickled the other day. I said, you, they, we all said, oh, really, we're eating supper. She said, I looked on one of my checks, and you know what it said on my check on the top of it? Minnie eyeball. <laughs> I've never seen that before. My, I have Minnie eyeball on, my, on my, all of my checks. Miss Minnie. But when Brother Ball died and Dad had his funeral, Miss Minnie asked Dad, was there anything of Henry's that you would like to have? And Dad said, well, Miss Minnie, Brother Henry said that if it would be all, all right with you, that I could have that desk that he had up in his loft where he had an old grocery store and he'd go up there. So dad got it. Then when I got married, dad said, son, is there anything I have that you would like to have? And I said, dad, if it's all right with you and mom, I'd like to have that desk. And I got it. And you can have a lot of what I have. But that desk Brother Ball, I'm brother, Brother Webb, Brother T.O. Webb. I I told him that story, and he went over and started looking at that desk. He says, Brother Sonny, you 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 know that that desk is in my family. And I ought to have that desk. And I said, Brother, Brother T.O., you know that possession is nine-tenths of the law. And I got it. (laughs) we ever had a fire and I could get it out, that would be the first thing I'd take out. Now, it's upstairs and I probably couldn't, but I say all of that to say I value that. I don't know that it's worth much money. Maybe it is. I don't know. But I love it not because of the money. I love it because of what it means to me and the value it has to me. My scripture, my, my friends, put a value on the truth. What does it mean to you? If I'd have to give up truth or give up that desk, it's a no decision, my friend, Buy desk. There's nothing. There's nothing, my friends, that is more valuable than truth. What can make somebody sell it? Well, it's a serious situation. When a person does. Here's what Peter has to say about it. In 2 Peter. The la- uh, 21st verse of 2 Peter. 2 and 21. For it had been better. I Just listen to this. For it had been better for them. Not to have known the way of righteousness. Than after they have known it. To turn from the holy commandments delivered unto them it's better for you never to have heard of the old Baptist my friends than once you have been one to turn away from it there's no retirement from this it's a life long gift pleasure vocation For those that have turned, it's lost. If it ever had that value, they have it no more. There's another reason. There's probably more than the reasons I'm giving you. Here's this other reason, if I can find it real quick. Ninth verse of the 15th chapter of Matthew. But in vain... They do worship me. would well, not that what it's all about? Worshiping the Father? Worshiping, isn't that, does it matter how we worship? Oh, oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, it more than matters. It identifies true worship. They that worship me must worship me in spirit and in truth. And I'm persuaded you can have one of those without the other. Again, those people I talked about had the precepts and the line upon line and all that. They could recite it to you. But they didn't know the understanding of it. And without the Spirit, my friends, we have no guide into all the truth. But in vain, they do worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandment of men. Teaching for doctrine. Okay, we, we can be led away from the truth. I'll close, if I can remember where it is. I'll close. I don't know how to get into this. There There's so much wrong with me that I can't begin to tell you. And as Brother David reminded me... I, would be an example of me being cold if I just dwell on that too much. But instead of being surprised at what people don't know, I have been surprised at what people knew. Now, that's wrong. I remember a time at O-Union when all those little kids... Became 10, 12 years old, 13 years old, and all of a sudden now 15 and 16 years old. And we had, oh, probably seven or eight of them, nine of them maybe. And they, had, they were getting asked questions from school. And they said, Brother Sonny, we, we, we want to meet with you and, and ask you questions. I said, okay. I'd, I'd love to. So we met. Met out in the kitchen in church. Just me and, the, and these kids, our young adults. And I was absolutely surprised at what they knew. And I told them that. (laughs) I said, I am surprised that you all are so grounded on these things. And you know them so well. And they looked up at me and said, well, Brother Sonny, isn't that what's supposed to happen? If we've been raised in the church, aren't we supposed to know what we believe? The answer is, yes, dummy. (laughs) Yes. Yes. We ought to be surprised if one's been brought up in the church if they don't know it. But I'm not the only one that gets surprised. Listen to this. 40th chapter of Isaiah. 28th verse. Hast thou... Not known? Hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary? There is no searching of his understanding. Don't you know that he's saying? He giveth power to the faint, and to them that have no might he increaseth strength. Even the youth shall faint, and be weary. And the young man shall utterly fall. If you put your hope in the young folks just because they're young folks, you're putting it in the wrong place. I've seen churches full of young folks, my friends, that none of them join, and there are none there, and there's not even a church there now. Plenty. I can, I can name you two or three. Thankful for the young folks my friends, those young folks, especially when they get up to 10, 11, 12 years old, should start studying things like this. And guess who they ought to ask first what these things mean? You, the parents. Kind of means you need to know them, doesn't it? I would imagine you do. I'd be surprised if you didn't. Do you know them well enough to teach others? I would imagine you do. I would expect that you do. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young man shall utterly fail. But they that wait on the Lord. See, that's what those folks weren't doing in in Isaiah. They weren't waiting on the Lord. They'd become frustrated. They weren't patient. They were impatient instead of waiting to see the value of it, they started scoffing at him and making fun of him. And it was a wearisome thing to them. I'm so glad, I tell you, I'm so glad that my mom and my dad, even at times spanking me, to learn some of the fundamentals of music. It's one of the greatest gifts that could have been given to me in the service of God. But I tell you, it didn't happen by happenstance. I was taught those things. And I was punished if I didn't listen to them. Tell you a story about that after church if you want to know about it. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength, they shall mount up with wings as eagles, they shall run and not be weary. And they shall walk and not faint. You see the value, my friends, of having your loins girt about with truth. There's a reason it's first. And having truth will help you and I understand how to put on and use the other instruments of this armor of God. Brother Landry said church is over and I agree with him. So we'll close service. See? He quit. <laughs> we stand and sing some suitable hymn. Any that have a desire to join the service. Let your desire be known and the church be glad to upon you. Any I have shared has had any value to you, we give God the praise and the credit for that. Someone have a selection.